0: everyone, you're tuned in to Cork Buzz Wine Talk. I'm your host, Laura Manick, Master Sommelier. In today's lesson, we are talking about my favorite thing in the whole world, sparkling wine. We're going to talk about specifically champagne, but first we need to talk about how wine gets bubbly in general. Where are those magical bubbles come from? So you might remember from Wine 101 podcast, we talked about the formula for fermentation. And we need to revisit this formula again for our talks on sparkling wine. Sugar plus yeast equals alcohol and CO2. That's the formula for fermenting wine. So in most still wine, when we talk about this formula, we're assuming that the CO2 is released into the air. So we're making wine in a tank. And after the wine starts to ferment and the carbon dioxide appears, that carbon dioxide is just gently released into the air and disappears. In the case of sparkling wine, the idea is to trap that CO2 somehow and keep that bubble inside of the bottle. So first we're going to talk about the number one way that we make wine sparkle. The traditional method, if you will, is a method that they use in Champagne. And it's why Champagne is so special. One of the reasons. There's many reasons. So Imagine we're making wine in Champagne. Champagne is a very cold region. It's north Eastern France, um, 90 kilometers northeast of Paris, and you can take a high speed TGV train from Paris to Reims or Apernay, one of the major cities in Champagne. Anyway, let's say we're making wine there. Since it's so cold, we have basically a wine, a regular wine that we start off with that has a little bit of sugar in the grapes at the time of harvest, and it ferments into a wine that is really high in acidity. You may also remember this lesson from our Cool Climate Wine Recap that wines produced in cold regions will have high acidity and low alcohol. So this region in France was producing still wine originally. And the wines were really hard to drink these base wines usually low in alcohol and high in acidity were sort of the equivalent of drinking lemon juice so what happened the winemakers would make their base wine their regular wine and they would bottle it and it was very cold during november when they bottled it and they would put it in their dark cellars underneath the ground and the wine would have a little bit of sugar left in the bottle because the yeast hadn't done their job of fermenting all of the sugar into alcohol. So what ended up happening was this yeast would go dormant in the cold months because yeast can only survive in certain temperatures and it would sort of sleep in this cellar. The second that the spring came and the weather started to warm up in these cellars, remember temperature control was not possible back then, the yeast would come alive again. And in doing so, they were trapped in the bottle and they would start to eat the remainder of the sugar. And what happened? Explosions. Because sugar plus yeast equals alcohol and CO2, this time when the yeast started eating away at the sugar, they would produce CO2 and the bottles were not strong enough and so they would explode. So people in Champagne started noticing. You go into the cellar and you have explosions and your wine, well, something's going on. And so they spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to get the bubbles out of the bottles. And the English were really credited for creating bottles that had stronger glass that could actually keep during the the secondary fermentation where this yeast would start to come alive again. And so even though a lot of times people will say champagne and the French created sparkling wine, um, it really was an accident and it's kind of a debate between who created it. Anyway, I digress. We talk about this champagne method now because now we do this process intentionally. We have a base wine and that base wine again is really acidic and somewhat harsh. So we take this wine after it's made and we blend it and we put it in a bottle. And the traditional method says that the bubbles must happen in the bottle in which you sell or serve. So what we do is individually put a little bit more of a yeast and sugar mixture into the wine before we bottle. And this bottle top initially is like a crown cap, it's a soda pop top. So you close this bottle, put a little of a dose, if you will, of sugar and yeast and lay the wine on its side. Again, what will happen now intentionally is that the yeast start to eat away with that little bit of sugar and they produce bubbles. Once the yeast have done their job, they'll die and they have no more food to eat and they'll sort of rest on the side of the bottle. The magic of champagne is the art of letting the wine that's bubbly sit on the yeast or the lees, as we call it, the spent yeast cells and develop a biscuity or toasty or brioche type flavor. So the longer you keep your wine in contact with the lees or the yeast, the more of that toasty flavor that you're going to get. Okay, so now our wine, our champagne, if we're in the champagne region, is aging on its side with this yeast. And the yeast, like bread yeast, or like dough, if you think about making a pizza or bread, is very like sticky. And the yeast have collected at the side of the bottle because the wine was aging on the side. So now we have to figure out a way to gently nudge the yeast to the neck of the bottle so that we can freeze the neck of the bottle and expel those yeast cells. Nobody really wants to drink a champagne that has like sludgy or sort of unclear wine because it's not a desired thing. So what we do is we gently turn the bottles a quarter turn each time to get the yeast from the side of the bottle to the neck. So eventually it goes from being on its side to being inverted, but you can't just like pick up the bottle and invert it because if you do so, the yeast will get spread all over the bottle so it's this gentle process that we call riddling, and it's done by by hand in the more traditional regions and by machine in some of the more uh, you know time efficient wine producers or regions anyway the, the neck of the bottle is primed and ready to go. the yeast is at the end, you pop that soda pop top and the yeast, once it's frozen, once the neck is frozen, the yeast will come flying out and at the end, um, you'll add a little bit of wine that has sugar in it to the bottle to fill it from where the yeast mixture came out of the bottle. And this process at the end is called dosage. So the dosage would be the amount of sugar wine you add to the bottle of wine after you expel the yeast. And, you know, this is what determines the brute, or the extra brute, or the sec, or the demi-sec labeling in Champagne, or in other sparkling wines. So basically, this process that you get the bubbles in the bottle, imagine how time-consuming and costly this process is. Individual bottles, bubbling. Another method of making sparkling wine, which is a little less expensive and more used um, for different styles of wine throughout the world, but not champagne—it's not permitted in champagne—is a method called Charmat. And Charmat would be making wine bubbly in mass. So essentially, imagine we have a big stainless steel tank filled with wine. We've already fermented it the first time and converted the sugar into alcohol. Now we're going to add in a large amount another dose of sugar and yeast. We're going to keep the tank closed so as to trap the CO2 inside of the tank and we're going to get bubbles to start to form and we're going to bottle our wine under pressure. What's going to happen there is that the wine is going to be bubbly but right away once you bottle it, it's no longer in contact with the yeast. So a few things happen. It doesn't have the yeasty toasty flavor that we associate with fine champagne, which might be a good thing. It's refreshing, it's more apple and tart and a little bit less toast, but as well, it's a lot less expensive. The other thing about it is sometimes the bubbles are a little bit bigger and less, you know, fine in the, what we call mousse, which is the inside bubbles that come up in the glass. And so you have a little bit more of an approachable, fresh, simple style of sparkling wine. This is the method that you might find used in the production of Prosecco or other sparkling wines like Cava. But sometimes Cava is also made method traditional. So basically, this process, the Charmat process, is a little less expensive. It preserves some of the more fresher flavors that you might want to mix, let's just say, with peach puree to make a Bellini. So, Prosecco. Um, other types of sparkling wine include Sekt from Germany, some domestic sparkling wines are made in this method, and some are also made in Method Traditional. Last but not least, another way to carbonate wine would be to basically add carbon dioxide to the wine, similar to the way you would make Coca-Cola. But most fine wine, most of the wine we see in our market, it's going to be made either from Method Traditional or from Method Charmat. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of How to Make Wine Sparkle. Tune in next week.